What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. It is Friday, September 22nd, week four of the 2023 Southeastern Conference football season. A lot of big games this weekend. I mean, really, truly a lot of big games this weekend. Had a lot happen in week three on today's podcast, by the way. Going to be joined by the legendary Rob Brown on his weekly um, showing on the Mitch Davis Show. I really love Rob. I always go on sidelines at least once a week, probably even more than that now that football started. Uh, Rob is an Auburn grad. He's an Auburn man, but loves the Southeastern Conference like nobody else and covers it there for sidelines.live and really just truly has one of the greatest college football, college athletic um, shows out there, one of the greatest radio shows out there. And it's always an honor and a privilege to go on his show. So follow him at sidelines.live. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Make sure you head on over to the website for nonstop SEC and Mississippi college athletic news, covering the Rebels, covering the Bulldogs at Mississippi State, and everything in between. Looking forward to being back at Davis Wade Stadium to cover the Alabama and Mississippi State matchup on next Saturday, September 30th. Should be a really fun game between the two. Again, I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. A very special thank you to Rob Brown for joining me, as always, on the Mitch Davis Show podcast. Always fun to talk SEC football with the one and only Rob Brown. Again, thank you for listening to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. I want to welcome Rob Brown to the Mitch Davis Show podcast, uh, a weekly guest now. Welcome back on the Mitch Davis Show podcast. Week three was a complete... Yeah, you're talking about week three, the games and all? Yeah, the all the stuff that happened, especially... We'll talk about it. I want to get the outsider's perspective, but especially at David's Wade, Davis Wade Stadium with Mississippi State. Well, we talked about that. The 11 a.m. game typically favors the visiting team because you can get a knockout punch or two in, take a 14 to nothing lead, and a lot of the fans, in the case of Mississippi State, were still out in the junction uh, having cocktails, drinks, Bloody Marys, Ham's beer, you know, whatever, hadn't eaten enough. You know, you get that kind of uh, – middle of the zone of no man's land of, you know, I'm hungover. I need to eat. I don't want to eat lunch yet. It's too early. I hadn't had enough to drink. Then you go in there and, and LSU jumps up on top of you. It looked like a wrestling match on, you know, WWE SmackDown. And uh, the game that Jaden Daniels had, how are you going to stop that? But I'll just say this about Mississippi State. It's like coaching malpractice is what that is. To have a guy like Will Rogers have two weeks in a row the worst offensive stats he's had since he was a middle schooler in Rankin, Mississippi. They got to get an offense. Why do you take a guy that for three years has thrived, prospered, and broken lots of SEC records and then make him very pedestrian just because you want to be different? I like Zach Arnett. But Zach Arnett, you learned a lot as a defensive coordinator with Mike Leach for three years. You should have just taken that and built on top of that. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Rob, let's talk about uh, – let's recap week three. I'm going to pull up the scores here so I can remember exactly what happened. When I ask you about Arkansas to start things off, uh, Coach Pittman has now deleted his Twitter. Um, Arkansas fans are turning on Coach Pittman because of the offensive line production. What are your takeaways from the Razorbacks right now? Well, Arkansas will grow tired of seven wins. Uh, and right now, if you look at this four-game stretch they've got coming up, 
at LSU tomorrow, Texas A&M in Dallas, which is supposed to be a neutral site. They got a lot of fans and alumni in Dallas. Um, Ole Miss and Alabama. They could go one and three, zero oh and four. They don't need. They they've got to stop the slide. We we talked about Brigham Young all week long. You got all those 24, 25 year old guys that have been riding around for two years on a mountain bike on their Mormon mission. They're older, and with the virus, some of them are in their mid to late 20s. They also had 62 new players on the roster. Arkansas, 41 new players. But Arkansas, without Rocket Sanders, the legend of Rockledge, Florida, without him out there, uh, they're going to struggle. It puts too much pressure on K.J. Jefferson. And for the first time in a long time, he looked lost, bewildered, dazed, and confused. In the fourth quarter, he was falling down, tripping over his own linemen who couldn't get out of their own way. It was a mess. I don't know if they can fix it or not. We have Dudley Dawson, Hogville.net on, um, Wes Moore over in Little Rock, ESPN 103.7, the buzz talking about it. They saw this in the first few games. How many times do we need to say this? You pretty much are who you are by the second or third game of the season. It's hard to change your personality once you're walking. Rob, I want to kind of follow that up with uh, another team that won, but they look disappointed doing it, Alabama. Alabama plays Ole Miss this weekend. Uh, preview that game a little bit. What did you see Alabama last weekend? And is Nick Saban really just kind of toying with everybody right now when Jalen Milrow is going to be the starting quarterback from here on out? Well, if you look at Alabama, Jerry Kirby, one of our team members on sidelines, sent me a text Monday, September 11th, on the way back from Orange Beach. And he said, watch out for this South Florida-Alabama game. I think South Florida was plus 34 and a half points at home in Tampa. He said that game goes to the fourth quarter, and it's a one-touchdown game late. And if Alabama turns it over, they could go over. He saw that one coming. Alex Golish. Head coach, South Florida, was with Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Think they're not feeling the loss of him? I mean, Joe Milton looked dazed and confused, uh, but no running game. Three offensive linemen out for Tennessee. That didn't help. But with Alabama, what you see is what they are. Their best option at quarterback from everyone I talked to, Dylan Lonergan, um, at a, I'm not sure if he's from Buford, Georgia, but he's from Metro Atlanta. They say he's the best option they've got. Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner, they got their audition. But be very careful about, you know, telegraphing to the other team you're playing. You're going to use the game against them as a glorified scrimmage to try to work out your quarterback problems. I just checked, Mitch. Hold on. Let me just read this. Yeah. South Florida is a Division I program, group of five. They give scholarships. They want to win, too. And they also, last week, got $300 million from the Florida State Legislature to do improvements at their stadium and their football facilities. I think Alabama, they're only you know, – Jalen Milrow, in my opinion, this is – no one's told me this. I believe he was suspended last week. You got to watch out for the drama going on. They had a lot of drama behind the scene with Tua. Had about 25 or 30 people from his family up in, down in Hawaii that came up here and got jobs everywhere. Nick Saban doesn't like that. I think Nick Saban's about to explode. He's also got four coaches on his staff. They were part of Will Muschamp's miserable tenure at South Carolina. Why are those guys on the staff? Nick Saban can get anybody he wants to. I think they they should win tomorrow because Lane Kiffin has gets too jacked up to play Nick Saban. 
That's dangerous. But here's the stat. Jackson Dart's averaging 12.5 yards per completion. They ain't running the ball well, but if that passing game gets going, Alabama's defensive line isn't very good. They miss Bo Davis. Nick Saban can't do all this alone. They're wearing him out at Alabama. He needs more guys like a Kevin Steele and Bo Davis on that staff. He's got Steele back, but he's got a deep program four years of what Pete Golding did. I want to ask you about that Nick Saban. There's been a lot of talk. and I get it. You know, he's getting older. Your honest to God take, is he retiring after the season? No. Uh, I think he might clean house. I think he's going to revamp this Alabama football program and turn it into what he used to have at Alabama. Yeah. That's See, people, yeah, yeah. People talk about in 2014 and 2015 when they lost to Ole Miss back to back, how they, in both years, they recovered and made the college football playoff. They were up big over Ohio State in 2014, ended up losing 42 35 for the uh, Zeke Elliott coming out party. But the other thing, 2015, they lost when Chad Kelly was the quarterback. Incredible game in Tuscaloosa. But they had Derrick Henry in the backfield. They had Jacob Coker at quarterback. They had Amari Cooper in 2014, who was the number four pick in the draft at wide receiver. They had a lot of things going for them. We talked to Rodney Orr, Tyler Insider, Gary Harris, WVUA 23 and Tide 100.9. They do a show called Tyler Insider TV, Tuesday nights at 6.30. Great content. If you're a Bama fan, great. If not, you love college football, listen to what these guys are saying. They're going, there's nobody like a Derrick Henry, Amari Cooper. There's not a Barrett Jones on the offensive line. There's no Chris Samuel. Uh, there's, you know, Antoine Smith. There's none of those guys. For the third straight year, Alabama is underwhelming on the offensive line. And Freddie Roach, the defensive line coach at Alabama, I don't think he's had a single one of the guys he's coached there that have gone on to the NFL. There's no Ashawn Robinson. There's no, um, you know, Quinnen Williams. There's no Marcel Darius. Those guys, and here it is, the top five teams in America on the blue chip index are Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, A&M, and Clemson. You know, A&M and Clemson. Give you an idea. Clemson lost to Duke Labor Day night on the color TV, 28 to 7. Clemson had 56 players on their roster that were rated four or five star. You know how many Duke had? Two. Two. And they beat them 28 to 7, which begs me to think, why is that line minus two and a half FSU at Clemson tomorrow? Unless somebody's hurt we don't know about. But again, a lot of tall buildings in Las Vegas. Who loves you, baby? That's what Telly always said. I'm gonna, I, and I want to get your take on this. But this, and you and I have texted about every Saturday. Same yeah. thing. This season feels as wacky as 2007. Are you kind of feeling the same way that this is kind of getting that weird mojo of 2007 again? Well, as my son Wilson said last week, he texted me. He said, "Dad, with the portal." And NIL and, and everybody moving around so fast. He said every college football weekend now feels like opening weekend of March Madness. And that's what it, it really is. He's right. Yeah. Wilson's 25. He's a wise young man. Yeah. You that, that's actually a really good, fair point. Because, I mean, you look at the slate this week and, and looking in the SEC and obviously know the bigger picture. You got Ohio State, Notre Dame. And yeah. We don't, yeah. we don't talk about the Yankees on, this, on my show. <laughs> Not a big fan of the Yankee programs up there. But in the SEC, I mean, my God almighty, you've got Kentucky, Vanderbilt, 
You've got Memphis traveling to Missouri, Auburn A&M, Ole Miss Alabama, Arkansas LSU. That's a hell of a Saturday in the SEC. What is the one or two games that you're most excited about on Saturday? Oh, everybody's going to be watching Colorado and Oregon. Oregon's laying 21 and a half. Okay? Coach Prime, here you go. Now, you go out there and you get curb stomped by Oregon, which could happen. How is the narrative going to be? But I think Dion's great for college football because he's getting eyeballs watching the games. You got UCLA playing. Do what? Is he the next head coach? Maybe, let's say, Texas A&M? I don't know. I, I think Dion. He's an interesting guy. He's 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 a he's a paradox. You know, there's there's this alter ego of prime time, which was going on back in the mid '80s when he was at Florida State, coming to the games and limousines and stuff. And then there's uh, Dion, a very introverted guy from you know a little small town around Fort Myers, Florida, who is very strong and he's found religion. He did years ago. Uh, I think he's sincere. Um, he's He's doing a lot of things. And you talk to people that have worked with him. They got great things to say about him. They say he's fair. He's doing some things. I like the way he addresses members of the media at press conferences when they ask him a question. You know, he say, Mitch Davis, the MitchDavisShow.com. He said, Mitch, how you doing, man? How's, how's your mom and dad? How's, how's he Don't just go into football with him. He's different. And I think I saw the 60 Minutes piece. Within an hour of getting that job at Colorado, he went and visited super fan, this 98-year-old lady that's a super Buffalo fan. And he had her in the locker room last week when he plays his music, and she let him to play that music. You know, you, yeah, he's a PR. He's a genius. He's marketing. But you can't argue with the numbers. 9.6 million people watched Colorado State-Colorado game last Saturday night. Last year, 1.3 million people watched it. Now, you good with Gazinda's, Mitch? Eight goes into 16, 16 goes into 32. That's money, man. That is money. I mean, ESPN, you know, they think it's cool to put somebody on there wearing a white feet or tee and, and, a, and a jacket. I mean, come on. Who are you trying to appeal to? Uh, you know, ex-bowlers? I mean, Dion is a football guy. He was asked the other day something about the NFL, and he goes, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't follow the NFL. I, I, I'm, he's myopically focused on Colorado. I don't know if he's going to leave or not, but – Texas A&M, I like Jimbo. I appreciate what he did when he was at Auburn with Terry Bowden for those six years. He's got a hell of a, you know, hell of a task in front of him. But do you think Jimbo uh, uh, wakes up at night worrying about anything? No, because no matter what happens, short of, you know, being fired with cause, something terrible, he's getting $75 million bucks to go away. Couple that with the $25 million that A&M paid Kevin Sumlin to go away, that's $100 million. As Ken Caps and Bo Carter said on the show last week, do you know how many kids that could send to Texas A&M on scholarship? <laughs> you know what? Just what crazy that out all, but I, I know you've seen this video, but Coach O, you know, when Coach O got fired at LSU, they said, Coach, you know, we're going to give you $17.5 million. He said, where's the door and how, how, how fast you want me to hit that ball? And he, you know. <laughs> Uh, he also said something that I remember well, too. That, that'd be enough to buy me a hamburger and a cold beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to love the boy from Bayou Lafouche, Louisiana, Coach Ed Orgeron. And you know what? We're Mel Tucker, the coach at Michigan State. 
He has one good year in 2021. They go like win 11 games. Kenneth Walker III from Arlington, Tennessee, Arlington High School. Went to Wake Forest, transferred to Wake Forest. Went transferred to Michigan State. And they give him a 10 million, 10 year, $100 million guaranteed contract. And didn't he get fired this past week? He got fired, but. but Are they going to have to pay him? There's some evidence out there that. You know. Yeah. Okay. Are they going to have to pay him though the balance on the hundred million? They fired him with calls. Okay. They fired him with calls because what they and again I'm not I'm not here to I don't want to go down that sexual assault road. I I don't want to upset those people, but there was some consensual stuff going on, and I again that that that's a that's a whole conversation for a different day, and and yeah. Okay. I mean I don't know anything about it. I I just know. He's no longer the coach at Michigan State. Yeah. They had that gymnastics coach or whatever that was there. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that look, uh, as Roseanne, Rosanna Dana used to say on Saturday Night Live with Dan Aykroyd, you know, it's always something at Michigan State. They got a problem. They got they, that, that, but if they got to pay that guy any of that money, yeah. they're, look, here's what we need to do we need to put on a public tribunal. And hold accountable these athletic directors, these presidents that are basically uh, forcing schools into these indentured servant contracts with these coaches for perpetuity where they're guaranteed to pay them. Nowhere else in the real world are you allowed to get away with that. Now, you, sometimes you can, and you give people money to go away. I bet you Mel Tucker gets some money, some going away money. Oh, yeah. Regardless of what he did or didn't do. Let me let me ask you this, and then we're going to get into this week's matchups and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, fun. okay. Let me let me ask you this. So obviously, we see a lot of scandals happening at Michigan State, Ohio State, all of these other northern schools in the South. The worst thing that's happened, and again, I'm not condoning this behavior, but the worst thing that's happened is what Coach Freeze did with the burner phones, and that has been the worst thing that's happened in the last 20 years. Why is it in the SEC that people hate on us so much for being us, but yet they have all the crazy sexual assault cases and all that up north. But down here, the worst thing we're doing is paying players. I mean, come on, that's the worst thing we're doing. Well, if you go back uh, ever since the war between the states ended, the South got got all the good looking women. Um, we got, you know, the beaches. We got the better weather. There's a lot of envy, a lot of jealousy, and. Keep in mind, if you know, Mitch, you're not old enough to remember the old days of the Soviet Union, and but in China they do it. They have minders that go around if you come there to watch you to make sure you don't see, for instance, China, you don't see all the gray soot in all the trees, and you don't see the green lights that they have on there at night to light them up so they look green. Um, Ohio State has minders on every television network, Kerr Curb Street. Uh, Clark Kellogg in basketball, uh, Chris Carter, Joey Galloway, you name them. They've got them there no matter what's happening. SEC can have three of the top four teams in the country, but they will find a way to make it about the Big Ten. Okay? In the last 53 years, this is a little-known fact that seems to be lost on the ears of those north of the Mason-Dixon line. Since 1970, Richard Nixon's second year in the White House, the Big Ten has won two and a half national championships. The SEC, 20. Now, again, are you good with Gazendas? 
<laughs> two and a half Gazenda 28 times. That's 800% more in the Southeastern Conference. And you could gather up all the other conferences. You know, good luck. I, I, I say this. There's envy. There's jealousy. And they call it SEC fatigue. Look, I want to see football good all over the country. But the way that three city blocks and six multinational conglomerates in New York City, every morning from the time you wake up till the time you go to bed at night, they want to tell you how to think, what to believe. They want to tell you and write the narrative for everything. These people wrote the narrative, the death of college football during the virus year in the spring of 2020. Oh, we'll never play. We can't play. And I remember saying, if it shorts everybody, every, you know, everybody, we're going to be playing college football. You're dealing with the most disciplined athletes in the world. And I'll tell you what, uh, these people on the national media, a lot of them are so negative. If they would have been around when the light bulb was invented by Thomas Alva Edison, their lead story would have been lamenting the death of the candle. I shall leave it at that. <laughs> Rob, let's uh, let's talk some football. We got we got some big games this week, and we kind of mentioned them earlier. We're going to start with these eleven a.m. kickoffs: Kentucky at Vanderbilt. What do you expect to see out of this game? Who wins? Man, Vanderbilt's got to get a win. Yeah. They got to. They they. I mean, I don't know how good Kentucky is. Vanderbilt, the wheels fell off at Wake Forest, and then they lost a close one at UNLV. But that's a game they should have won. Vanderbilt doesn't have many games where you say they should have won that game. Now you got Kentucky coming in. You got to go with Kentucky with Devin Leary. He's a pretty good quarterback. But they didn't play anybody, a formidable opponent, power five in the first few games. That offense for Kentucky is like this. Yeah. Liam Cohen's back. And but but you know, Mark Stoops is is has he peaked out of Kentucky? Hell, I don't know. But I'll take Kentucky to win that game tomorrow. I want to see Vandy. I, my, my friend Bill and Sheila James' son, Christian, big defensive lineman. Six foot five, two ninety kid out of Christian Brothers High School. Hopefully he'll be back healthy for tomorrow or at least the next week. They need him back, but no, I hadn't seen anything out of the offense at Vanderbilt. And if you go quarterback versus quarterback, that's what I said about Texas and Alabama. If it's Jalen Milrow versus Quinn Ewers, you got to take Quinn Ewers. If it's Devin Leary versus whatever Vanderbilt puts out there, you got to take Devin Leary and Liam Cohen and Kentucky. Kaywood Ledford and Ralph Hacker here. Kentucky football gets a win. A shout-out to everybody in Butcher Holler. Hello, Loretta Lynn. Go ahead. Go ahead, caller. Bob, 11 a.m. kickoff down there in College Station at Kyle Field. I, by the way, these 11 a.m. kickoffs, they got to go. I started drinking last week at 6.30 in the morning for Mississippi State and LSU, and I still wasn't drunk. So it, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bob, what do, you, what do you expect to see out of this game? Well, what's A&M's? Problem scoring in the red zone. What's Auburn's strength? Stopping people in the red zone. Um, last week was the first time you saw Peyton Thorne giving the keys to the car. You know, he was 16 and his parents finally said, All right, Mitch, you can take the old family truckster out for the night with your date, Gertrude or Mildred, whoever she is, and you can have fun. They turned him loose, as they say in the country. 282 yards passing, 11 carries, 123 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Coach Hugh Free said over half of his deals were just where he just made the right read on an RPO. Talent-wise, A&M has 10 players out of high school that were rated as five-star recruits. Auburn 
still ranks 16th in the nation on the talent index, which qualifies you if you're 50% or more, four or five-star players. You're qualified as a potential national championship contender. But Hugh Freeze is very – he lays it out there, and sometimes people are taking it as, wow, I'm not really inspired. If you're not the most talented team, you better be the toughest, physically toughest, mentally toughest. Tough times don't last forever, but tough people do. A&M's wide receivers, really good. Auburn, Auburn's got to be able to blitz and get to Connor. If Auburn can't get to Connor Wegman and he has time to stand back there and go to his second, third, fourth read, they'll beat Auburn handily. If Auburn gets pressure, and that creeper defense has only given up 12.7 points a game, I think they've got a chance to win. But I'm not touching that game. I don't like it. But I think the 11 a.m. game, again, favors the visiting team. Auburn's 4-1 and one all-time in College Station. Take that for what it's worth. I picked Auburn. I, I did. I, and the thing about it is, Rob, I, I think I came on your show or John Carter's. I can't remember which show it was. I picked Auburn to finish either third or second in the SEC West this year. I'm rolling with the Tigers. I Until Hugh Freeze proves to me otherwise, I know he doesn't have the talent that he would like. Yeah. Until Hugh Freeze, my boy Hugh Freeze, proves me otherwise, I'm rolling with the Tigers, baby. I, and let me say this because this is, this is going on in my podcast. Auburn will have a chance to win the SEC West if they can win on Saturday. If they can wow. find a way to win at Kyle Field, yeah. this could be one of those weird years where Auburn gets to Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's going to be a game. Look, A&M, Jimbo Fisher and that staff, what you got to wonder about is, are the guys on that staff staying up late at night, sending out resumes because they're worried about, you know, okay, crap, we're all going to get fired. They've got plenty of money, but you got to wonder what's going through the minds of the AM coaches. Bobby Petrino, he can call an offense. Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery so far, that offense for Auburn hadn't been real productive. I think this game comes down to whichever team can squeeze their hand as hard as you can and now squeeze it a little harder without without blinking. I think, I think on paper, you give it to AM. But the same problems they're having this year they had last year. All they got with Jimbo is an overpaid eight and five coach. They're not happy with that. Olin Buchanan covers AM for us, Texags.com. He's one of the best, you know, sports writers anywhere. He's as frustrated as anybody. You know, hey, next year is here. Giggle Maggies. What are you waiting on? Rob, I want to ask you about Alabama Ole Miss and a big-time matchup down there in Tuscaloosa, and we talked about this on your show. Who wins that matchup between the Rebels and Crimson Tide? Well, let's just lay it out. Ole Miss, Jackson Dart, 12 and a half yards per completion. That's probably twice what a lot of quarterbacks are averaging. But they're not running the ball. Offensive line, Jake Thornton, the coach last year when they were second in the nation in rushing, about 315 yards a game. He's at Auburn now. Unfortunately, he inherited a program that had recruited nine Offensive lineman in the previous four or five years. Okay? That's kind of scary. So, uh, you look at this game. Where's Quinshawn Judkins been? I think I saw him on a milk carton or on the side of a bus. You know, where is this guy? I call this 800 number. He had 1,600 yards as a freshman. What does he have right now? 138 in three games? Is he hurt? Hell, I don't know. I'm not a team doctor. Jackson Dart. Ole Miss defense. Michael Trigg. What's the most important six inches on the football field? It's the six inches between these guys' ears. 
Like Yancey Porter, Rebel Yell Hotline says. Michael Triggs got to be there consistently. He can't be with it and then take three or four plays off. Alabama, on the other hand, the offensive line, they got problems just like Ole Miss does. Where's the running game? Who are the receivers? There's no, there's no Jerry Judy. There's no Henry Ruggs. There's no Don, you know, Devontae Smith. There's no Jalen Waddle. Ja'Cory Brooks, is he that good? Hell, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Alabama's got eight linebackers on their depth chart. Out of high school, were rated five-star. Kevin Steele got to reprogram those guys. But you know where it starts? In the trenches. The defensive line with Freddie Roach is just not that good. But on this offensive line, as Yancey said, where do you start? They're so bad. Again, that's a tough game to pick. But if you look at all the factors, quarterback versus quarterback, Jackson Dart versus Jalen Milrow, who I think was suspended last week. There's no other reason he didn't play a single down. He acted well. He gets, a, he gets an Oscar. He acted on the lines. But you got to say quarterback versus quarterback, Jackson Dart from Canyon Corner, Utah. You got to go with him. I mean, but, again, everybody's drinking the Saban. He's the GOAT. But I'm not sure his staff is helping him. No, I'm, I'm, I'll say it. They're not helping him. Rob, last one of the last one of the podcast because we're running out of time on here on Zoom. Yeah, Mississippi State travels to Williams Bryce Stadium to take on Shane Beamer in the Gamecocks. Who wins, and what do you expect to see out of this matchup? Well, have filed have charges been formally filed in Octavia County yet for coaching malpractice? <laughs> I mean, you've got Will Rogers, a record-setting quarterback out of Rankin, Mississippi. You've got to just go back and, you know, it's kind of like when LSU played Harold Perkins Jr. at the middle linebacker in that first game against Florida State, and everybody with gray matter in their brain cells said, he, he's an Ezra's. What are you doing? Well, they moved him back against Grambling, but, but, but it showed up. You know, you saw him out there against Mississippi State. Mississippi State, if they're going to run the same offense that they've been running, they have no chance. I mean – against South Carolina. But, again, South Carolina, their offensive line. I'll tell you, offensive line play across the board in the SEC is suffering because everything's about the skilled players, the prima donnas, the wide receivers. You know, we don't need any more Odell Beckham Juniors acting the way he acts. Uh, we need more, you know, uh, guys that, that are committed. I Spencer Rattler, he can't do it alone. I mean, Mississippi State. Goes on the road. It's always darkest before dawn. They go on the road. I mean, they're playing. If they lose this game Saturday, I think they start a precipitous slide toward oblivion for this season because if they're not going to change and put Will Rogers in an offense where he can succeed, yeah. um, you know, turn out the lights, man. And I hope that doesn't happen. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see, well, you know, Zach Arnett say, we're going back to the air raid. We're going to go back to what works. If they do that, they win tomorrow. If they don't, they don't win. And utilize Mike Wright, too, the Vanderbilt transfer. I mean, the guys yeah. sit on the bench and run some goal line packages. But when we saw him in garbage time last week and he scored a touchdown, a five-yard touchdown pass, roll, roll out to the right side, touchdown Mississippi State, utilize Mike Wright. 
but Rob Brown, thank you so much as always yeah. for coming on the Mitch Davis show. This is kind of this is fun. I come on once a week, and you're coming on mine <laughs> once a week. We're yeah, having a lot of fun. We're gonna have to start doing a little bit more than uh, than just coming on the shows together. Hey, I I love it, and and I'm telling you, you're putting out great content. It's a lot of fun. Uh, this is going to be one of those weekends where you need about eight TVs uh, in your man, unless you're at the games. And you know what? A lot of people are going to the games now. They don't even go to the games. They go out to those tailgate things. You got TVs everywhere, cold beers, uh, chicken fingers. Uh, they're having a blast. This Look, let me tell you something. College football, who owns college football? The fans. The fans have ruled. We ain't we, – we're not – college football is getting better than it's ever been. Product on the field is as good as it's ever been. Hey, you're, it's a choice. You wake up every day. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be negative. I am positive. College football's future is as bright as it's ever been. We got this. Rob Brown, thank you so much for coming on. I'll be on your show, I think, Monday or Tuesday to talk about Monday. You're, you're batting leadoff. You're batting leadoff 8 a.m. Central Monday to back up all these picks, okay? Oh, God, that's going to be a hell of a Monday. Let's roll, baby. All right. Hey, man, thank you. Thank. You have been listening to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. I've been your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the MitchDavisShow.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show podcast. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like the Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages by simply following The Mitch Davis Show. Check out the website, TheMitchDavisShow.com. You can always find all of my work on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Going to be a busy day. Week four tomorrow in the Southeastern Conference. A lot of big games. Rob and I broke down most of those games. So check us both out on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight, and sidelines underscore live for Rob as well. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. Always an honor to bring you guys coverage of the Southeastern Conference.